Howdy Podsters, and welcome to this episode of Marvelous Pod, where we'll be discussing Marvel's latest offering. I'm Laura, and I'm joined by my frankly gorgeous co-hosts, Abby. Hello. And Matthew. Uh, Howdy Podsters, apparently. (laughs) Often thought of as the UK's answer to America's En Vogue, the British R&B girl group Eternal was formed in 1992. (laughs) The original lineup included (laughs) Esther and Bernie Bennett, Kelly Bryan and Louise Nerding. Better known now as solo artist, TV presenter and ex-football wag, Louise Redknapp. Now, I have to say I don't remember seeing these ladies in the film, but then again, I've only watched it once and there were a hell of a lot of characters to keep track of, so I must have missed them. Abby, was Eternals just a step from heaven for you? I can tell you that Louise has a new collection available in the high street on New Morton. Because <laughs> I was looking at it this morning thinking, it's nice to see Louise, because, you know, as, as one of the great Eternals, I've missed her. And did you miss her in this movie? I mean, I don't know how to come at it from this angle. <laughs> I, wa- I want to play the game. I do. And honestly, I'm so distracted by the fact that her face is just really big on the high street and confronts me of a morning. Um, <laughs> that I don't, I don't know how to go from that to Eternals, which is just so polished and shiny and quite different from the, frankly, not all that good cardigan Louise is wearing on the high street. Um <laughs> It's just it's just so different. Judgy. It's not a great cardigan. Well, it's not her fault. I'm sure it's the best cardigan that she could have picked. Hence. Is it, anyway. Yeah, is it New Look that she's now repping? It's not New Look. It's one of those ones that I can't remember the name of, which is like not Peacocks, but it's... No, no I think what? Peacocks might of, be right. Yeah. Might it? It's Peacocks. Mm. I don't think that's what it's called. It's something like Peacocks. Yes, I think we went past one in Halifax. Just, just to be clear <laughs> so. to American listeners, we're not talking about the streaming service. This is a uh, clothing shop. Halifax. <laughs> no, that, no, that's a bank. <laughs> Former building society. <laughs> no, but the streaming service. Peacock. What? <laughs> Peacocks, which used to be NBC, someone like that. I feel like our listeners <laughs> should know how long it took us to get to pressing record on this. Because <laughs> this, you know, we've been a long time getting here. And, and um... Abby, what did you think of it? Ter- what did oh, you we're think just of not getting ter- any closer. I mean. I can't believe I've managed to keep it mm. from everyone for all this time because you know it's um, it's a it's a big release, it's a big deal, it's a long-awaited Marvel film in one of the great Marvel properties that had yet to be explored on the screen, and um, it's been very difficult for me to keep from everybody that I absolutely loved it. Of course, I loved it. Of course, I thought it was wonderful. It was a great joy to me. This was great. What a wonderful time I had in the cinema for hours. Brilliant. And I'm absolutely serious, and I, I've really been looking forward to discussing this all with you. Excellent. Matthew, how about you? Did you want Eternals to be the only one to hold you, protect you from the rain, be the only one to soothe you, erase all the pain? I can play Love Can Build a Bridge if you need later. <laughs> I was sat here waiting for you to ask me, uh, say Matthew, and I was going to be, I want to be the only one to like this film, but I can't because it's not a good film. You stole my pun. Hey, mine was written down way before me. <laughs> Don't you love me? <laughs> is that one? That is one, according to Wikipedia. Oh, you're Thank Googling, you, <laughs> Of course I'm Googling. <laughs> well, I can't believe you, you can't recall with incredible sense memory. Birthday. The song Power of, of Women. Yeah. Only many because I Googled earlier. Power of a woman. Hey, it's a sisterhood as far as I'm concerned, Matthew. <laughs> right. Sorry, we have to talk about this bloody film. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't enjoy this. Okay. I, I didn't enjoy this in a number of ways. Partially because it's a long film 
and the cinema either didn't have its heating on at all or had the aircon on because we got properly cold during this, um, which is not fun. And it's very long. It's really long. Okay. And I have lots of other thoughts, and I will give you a treatise in a minute, but, but I, I did not enjoy this. I, I like that it's different. I like that they have done something different and they've tried something. It has made me want to come and discuss it in the same way I, I wasn't hugely into having a Shang-Chi discussion, because it's fine. It's a good big Marvel film. It's everything people say about Marvel films. Like, it ends with the people like going into the sky and lots mm-hmm. of CG effects and so on, and it done very, very well. This at least has discussion points and tries things and yeah. has a different director and a different voice and so on. So okay. I would give it that credit. Well, as it sounds like Mummy and Daddy are going to be fighting, um, I'm in the middle. I enjoyed it. Only one watch, as I said, and I tend to need two with Marvel because the first one, I'm just like, so what's the wider story? How's this all fitting in? But I liked it over. I liked the characters, although there were too many of them. And I enjoyed the central ethical dilemma, though I think I spent more time thinking about the dilemma than the Eternals did. <laughs> I like that it wasn't straightforward, right or wrong, good or evil, but it's a bit too DC superheroes as gods for me. I prefer mm-hmm, my uh, mm-hmm. my heroes to be a bit more grounded. So solid mid-table Marvel, fun film, but with caveats. Interesting. Yeah, Abby, are you able to rank this? Not, not you know, with any specificity. <sighs> I like but... it better than all the Captain America films. You can't Tell remember you any of the Captain America. Well, yes, That's one of yeah. the reasons I like it better. Just, than the- <laughs> yeah, I, I like this better than the Captain America films. So, <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> it's, it's a very different kind of thing, but it does feel like what I was coming to Marvel for in earlier times. You know, we are starting again a bit. This is a clean slate a bit. Because whilst yes, this is set in a post snap world and is um in in the same literal universe uh, that all the other Marvel films have been in, it is a kind of right and what next? It's it feels more like the first time I watched Thor or you know, sort of re engaging all over again with the idea of what a superhero film is and what it should be. And I think that if you look at this as kind of a new iteration of the superhero spiral um, I think we've made good progress culturally. I think the fact that this film felt it could attempt just so much at such a scale says a lot for how far audiences have come on the Marvel mm. journey. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I think I think it's hard to compare it with the others because looking at this made me realise how much those films have relied on each other. Mm. I mean, I suppose the easiest thing to compare it to would be the first Guardians film. And I didn't. It took me a few watchings of the first Guardians film to be interested in it, and it took me Guardians two to really care about them. Whereas I can say I already felt very engaged with this immediately. So, hmm, okay, yeah, it feels like we're we're in a new space, so it's hard to compare it. How about you? <laughs> I, I'd rank this very low. I am not interested in watching it again, and. But still above it's Captain above America, the Captain America films and like Thor one and two. Maybe, oh, maybe one. even Guardians yeah. two is better than this. But that's how much this is. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just losing friends all over the shop tonight. Mummy and Daddy fighting not getting divorced. Okay, let's not break. No, no, it's, it's just a week. We know how to have our fights. It's fine. It's what we came for. I saw your five out of ten before I even saw the film. And fortunately, I forgot it during the film, but I enjoyed thinking about it afterwards mm, and trying mm. to guess. 
I didn't guess that it was cold in the cinema, though. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it doesn't help, but it doesn't also necessarily hinder. Mm. You know. Laura, where would you put it in the scheme of Marvel? Yeah, kind of mid mid table. Mm. And again, because I always see these films twice or the TV episodes twice before we talk, and it's just not worked out this time. So that's with a real caveat. It could either go very far up or very far down, or stay where it is. So various films when I've seen them the first time, being like that, that was all right, that was fine. Yeah, I'm. And the thing is, for me, Marvel's at a certain level anyway. Most of it, mm-hmm. um, unless it's the Incredible Cult. And so, yeah, mid-table for this kind of Captain Marvel, kind of around there. No, it's a better film than Captain Marvel. I think the thing is, it what I love about it is it does try to do so much, so much, so much, and also different things, as you said. Um, I'm not sure they always land. I think there's um, there's far too many Eternals to start with for an introduction. <laughs> you know, start with six and then build afterwards, because uh, that's a lot to try and keep track of. Uh, and then also you've got uh, and additional other new characters, but I loved it. I loved the idea that when it was actually introduced, what the issue was, I was in two minds as to who I supported, and I think in the end I actually came down on Amersham's side of you know Earth's had a good run. If it's if it's going to end up meaning that you know it's the then the celestial is going to produce billions of other planets and what have you, then okay, cool. I've got to say, I didn't see you advocating for the destruction of the human race this early in the pod, but hey, <laughs> you're full of surprises. <laughs> but that is one thing. I They didn't seem to... They disagreed, but it felt like quite a quick decision for Cersei that, no, I like these people, people. And I understand with Icarus, you know, kind of uh, re- religious fundamentalism also, almost. Mm. Um, but I would have think... I think I would have liked a bit more of a, a debate going as to... Mm-hmm. Neither of these are, are great options, um, uh, but, uh, and and I think for me you've sort of hit some of the nail on the head about how many characters there are. This this film is having to do a lot of work to introduce all these different people, different abilities, different takes, different viewpoints, with a really heavy discussion piece in the middle of it. You know, Age of Ultron, for better or worse, gets to do the discussion because we know who all the people are, mm. um, and then you know obviously into Infinity War, which has a proper discussion about killing 50% of the universe and so on. Uh, and I think that for me is its big failing because there's all these people, at least one of whom you can utterly remove from the film, if not two or three of whom I think you can remove from the film. One of them goes missing for the final act of the film, just isn't on screen and isn't part of that, that fight at all. And then when they turn up again, I'm like, oh, hey, remember Camille Nanjiani? He was in this film. Did you read um, Chloe Zhao's interviews about that? No, she made a comment on it. Oh yeah, she was asked about it, and mm. um, she she said that was one of her favourite things about the film is because he's basically the conscientious objector, and it's deliberate the, that he he doesn't want to fight um, Amisham, but he also doesn't want to fight his friends, and so he just removes himself from the equation. And she said that's what she in her you know, when she was thinking about where would I go in this, that would be her move. Okay, yeah, that I'm not sure that came across in the film. No, no, so so that. I'm going to use that to segue to another point, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. One of my big disappointments is I knew nothing about the Eternals, not aware of them as a as a franchise entity within Marvel and mm-hmm. so on, but I know Chloe Zhao, and I'm a big fan of Chloe Zhao, and I do not see Chloe Zhao in this film. And that's really? that, for me, is a massive disappointment. And, and I think it really hit home, because you described the film as beautiful on Twitter. 
and and I was expecting it to be beautiful. She does these amazingly intense films with lots of very quiet moments, but it's it beautiful throughout. And and I feel, except for a few crafted moments in this, we just didn't get it. Yeah. And and for me, that's a letdown. But because I had high expectations, whereas I think if I'd gone in not knowing about anything about Chloe Zhao, I'd come out going, oh, that was different. That was interesting. That was... But I, I don't feel I got it. I think there were times it was so highly edited, like short shots to short shots, whereas her style is long shots, character moments that just land, no music. It's about what you're seeing in the scene. Mm. And this had none of that going on with it. That's also interesting itself because there's also been a lot of talk of in the editing that she actually, there's talk at least, that she had more control than most mm. Marvel directors do because she was just coming off the back of her oscar win okay um and so the talk is that she was actually more involved in the edit than mm. or had more weight to throw around than the edit whether any of that's true or not yeah. i don't know i mean it sounds not if um if it doesn't match with her other films it, it might be because i was expecting those other films which are indie mm. pieces that she got to make and do and you know, they are very small stories unto themselves and this is a very big story mm. um done in the marvel style but uh, that 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 left me very disappointed because that was the thing I was going in very excited to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say that for me, the thing that I know about Chloe Zhao is that she is a writer of fan fiction, and I absolutely recognised that throughout. Okay. And I felt very comfortable in uh, quite a few scenarios hmm. uh, introduced to us, and it felt very literate in that sense, and very comfortable in. In its own identity, which I, th- I thought was very interesting. And I think, actually, it it possibly needed to be longer. Um, it possibly needed to lean into, this is a massive film with a lot going on. And I know she cut a couple of characters as well. I think I think she could have done more. And I, I could have stood for more of it as well, which surprises me. It didn't feel long when I was watching it. Can I give you my treatise on this then? Mm-hmm. My, my, my big... We are sitting comfortably. We will sit back. This is my big view and why it's so frustrating what what we've got here. Because I agree it should have been longer. This is a film that needs more. I do not agree it should be a longer film. Because Disney and Marvel now have a production and delivery mechanism for long-form stories about groups of people going through something. This would have been the perfect Disney Plus series. Ten episodes, episode one, two-parter, everything up to 1500, when the group splits up. And then you have the story of Gilgamesh and Thena, and and sort of telling their story, maybe even getting more of the flashbacks and detail of them, and it ends with Cersei and the gang turning up to get the gang together. And then you have the story of King Kingo, and then it ends with everyone turning up to him. And then you have the story of the next person, and everyone turns up at the end. And then you finally, second or third to the end, you get the story of Cersei um, and Icarus. And then once everyone's together, you get the story to explain it all from Ajax. Mm. And then you get the final piece that we got here. And you've spent time getting to know each character, seeing this sort of big meta story building up as they go along. And that's just, this is just me coming up with a random way of doing it. But you absolutely could have done it. A different person every episode, but clearly working towards some sort of culmination. And I think this is the property it would have worked so well for in some way. Even, even if you'd just taken the movie and, and made it nine, you know, nine half hours and split it up into half hours or something. I think it would have worked really well for it. 
And it's so frustrating that they put it as a film, which meant you've lost some of that in-depth that we need to have. You've lost the ability for some of the character introductions and character developments. Because this feels like, like The Avengers was the sixth film in the series. And it meant they could do a lot of the character development elsewhere and then just bring everyone together and do a big story in one. And this feels like they're trying to fast track that without doing the setup work. I feel like the difference with this situation mm-hmm. is that, that these people pre-exist our meeting them and they mm-hmm. have this enormous collective history. And I really enjoyed, in fact, that it, it it clumped them and it didn't really focus on them too much as individuals. Because when it did, I felt it landed that much more strongly. You know, when there were people who kind of separated out from the group or had gone in slightly different directions, I, I felt that was stronger. But overall, they have spent so much more time together and they are sort of separate. So if you're constantly showing them kind of engaging in the world, mm-hmm. I think it makes it harder to have the weight of their dilemma, really, because you've essentially humanised them too much. Um if if you follow them constantly in our world and they just kind of have a power here and there. I think mm. I, I did like the escalation and I really like the sense, the sense of weight and history that I felt that their relationships managed to carry. And I was quite surprised by how strong I found that, you know, they, they really were able to, I mean, the actors were good at the acting. I felt like they had <laughs> known each other for a thousand, thousand years when they were in the room together. And I was quite surprised that that, felt tangible although maybe it's just served well by you know a post-plague time when none of us have spent that much time with many people so (laughs) maybe that's what it usually looks like but it looked good to me but but yeah I think that if it if it was more spread out and individualized I don't know if that's the because this is the civil war story if you like this is what it looks like when you do it well (laughs) Well, you know, I always make my joke about Marvel likes its uh, characters fight each other. This is the film for Kevin Feige. I did I did think of that. (laughs) I did think of you when... It's just constant throughout. It is. I'd vote for Matthew's um, series redo, but only if we don't get an entire episode on Sprite, (laughs) because I'd be skipping that one. That's, That's the other one I could easily take out of the film. Yeah, I didn't feel like Sprite was wonderfully served in this. So, I mean, I to talk about the kind of the comics mm, and stuff. Mm. Um, they they come from this kind of period of Marvel engaging with the Eric von Daniken stuff and that sort of Chariots of the Gods yeah. thing. Which um, you know, I was a small child and I was super into these things uh, without really any wider awareness, much like von Daniken himself, of the uh, racist implications. Of uh, suggesting that technology couldn't happen. Hello. I've read that. Yay! There you go, you Which see. Of this all is... of the sci fi books that you talk about for me to have actually read. I mean, it was a long time ago. But still. It is a classic of. of Ten um, points to you know, and incredi- Incredibly influential. Ravenclaw, thank um, you. In many ways. And um, and I, I think. I think it's incredibly interesting to look at the various versions of the Eternals and how they kind of tried to embrace the um, sort of ancient wonder aspect of things and kind of course correct. And I was had a reread of the Neil Gaiman version from about, I think it's 2018. I had it up here. It's like 2018, I think. Neil Gaiman did a seven-episode um, Eternals sort of hmm. overhaul. Okay. 
Um, and when when we came out of the film, we were sort of talking about it, saying, you know, it, it feels like that's definitely a version of the story, but wouldn't it be interesting? And and someone said, oh, you know, what if they got Neil Gaiman to write it? He's good at Big Castle. I was like, no, Neil Gaiman did write it. <laughs> and, um, and I sort of went back and looked. And I think that looking at his handling of some of the different characters um, and where he takes the source material and where this film chooses to take the source material... And actually, I think I prefer the film, really. But um, but I think the the thing with Sprite was particularly odd. And I think that my biggest problem with the film was Cersei's power evolution, I felt, had just been really chopped about. Because she was like, I don't know how I did this thing. I think I can make you human now. And I was just like, I just need you to, I just need you to say the words. What is happening? What is going on? And the way that that was applied to Sprite, because in the Neil Gaiman thing, Sprite is, um, I think, has already um, found a way to make themselves human in a much more yeah. um, in a much more wonder sort of a way of doing things, which is really interesting. It's, it's quite different, mm. and that just felt sort of a bit twee mm. in this film and a bit confusing. So that that was the only thread in this film that really sort of irritated me was that her power just like I get it, but I just think I needed her to explain it better. <laughs> So, Abby, you say you get it. Can you explain it, please? Because <laughs> I'm not sure I did. So, so before she could she could transform yeah. elements into other elements, but she couldn't apply that to organic material. Mm. Um, but as as she got a greater grasp on her powers and was able to connect, by the time she connects with the hive mind, she's able to activate those aspects of her power, which she wasn't able to before. So it kind of elevates her power to be able to change everything, including organic things. But it's it's one thing to say organic things and then to expand into consciousness or, or whatever it is that mm. makes one human. Oh, I think I can make you human. I'll just flick the human switch. Yeah. I just for a film that's done, I thought pretty well wrangling things. I thought to to miss your chance to uh, ponder the nature of humanity and how one might suddenly move from being eternal to being human. I felt that was that was a weird step. Mm. Uh, and it sort of fell down a little bit for me because it's this whole they've been there for 7,000 years and we're saying for, for over 7,000 years she's never reconciled her situation I believe that is perfectly plausible depends if hormonally she's stuck in the body of a 13 year old maybe but it just <laughs> oh I, I, my god can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> well that's what it would look like imagine having to live through that for, th- for 7,000 years but again, you know, you'd find a way, wouldn't you? And you'd, I, I, I think it might also be because that feels like a story we've seen a, a number of ways in different places. You know, we we've talked vampire things here before, uh, along mm. podcast, and I think, you know, it's the same story I've seen and done in those situations, and we've seen people living for long times and dealing with it. And so, um, did you did you prefer this performance or the interview with a vampire, Kirsten Dunst one? Well, the Kirsten Dunst one is, you know, the thing with Kirsten Dunst is that she's going to kill them. So it's good that they think she's a child. Whereas the thing with Sprite is Sprite can't live a life. Any part of a life. But Kirsten Dunst herself was frustrated at her inability to grow up. Not Kirsten Dunst. You know what I mean? The character Mm. I can't remember the name of. (laughs) Claudia. Claudia, thank you. Um, But she also had similar thing that she was not going to be able to grow up and she was stuck at this age. Hmm. And therefore couldn't enjoy life in the same way that the um, older vampires. I think the thing is that there's more of life that she can't enjoy, including daylight and food. Yeah, I know. Okay. 
I, I, I know what you mean. Thank you, I know what you mean as well. If, if we're, if we're <laughs> making do. the flippant joke, then this isn't Kirsten Dunst, so I enjoyed this more. But, um, <laughs> I, like, I enjoyed Sprite. There were times that I enjoyed Sprite. I loved the storytelling thing. I loved I the, like the introduction of, oh, she's telling the Epic of Gilgamesh. She's mm. just genius. And some of that, you know, weaved throughout it. I really enjoyed her quite liked her power set was quite well done. I just feel like over 3,000 years, I didn't buy the sudden reversal of, oh, I've actually always been jealous of you. I, did, okay. I, I didn't buy the, I'm secretly in love with... Uh... Oh, no. Richard Madden. Thank you. You didn't? I mean, oh, I, I can buy people being secretly in love with Richard Madden. That's no problem. <laughs> he's very but... pretty, to be fair. <laughs> he's very, very pretty. <laughs> yeah. But there was very, it felt like there was very little through that, the film, that they could have pl- they just could have planted a little bit more so that when that happens, it's not kind of like, mm. uh, what now? Because it's not just, I've got a secret crush on him, it's, I've got a secret crush and I'm going to kill my friends over it. Right. Well, this this is a bit the thing. I felt like there were lots of spaces where, in a in a longer version of this script, all these things are planted, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like I really feel like there is room for a fantastic director's cut. Have we had any director's cuts? No, no. but that's really true because we walked out of the cinema and when we were talking about this um, that evening. We were saying like, is this scope for the Zhao cut? I think yeah. of all of them, it's probably the most likely. Mm. But I just don't know if they'd do it. Mm, I feel like there are certain points that needed to be hit to get characters where they need to go. And I think the Sprite is one of the characters that needs to go somewhere. Um, But those points, I think, are the ones that also feel rushed. So, yeah. Mm. But but I will say, I didn't have a problem with the number of characters and I didn't feel like I was missing characterization of any of them. I thought it, it spun those... Plays extremely well, and I was I was quite surprised by how strong a sense I felt I got of these characters. I mean, yes, I, I do know they're kind of comic things a bit, but but these are, are different iterations as well. So, yeah, I thought it was good. I have to agree that I felt, given the time they had to establish ten characters, ten and brand new characters, not like another Avenger types. Um, yeah, I can I can. Ex- don't make me do it, but I can explain to you who all the different ones are and how they're different. Which, after one yeah. watch, I think is for me pretty impressive. So I think they must have done something right there. I didn't know all of their names perfectly. Uh, is, is this point I can throw out the celestial is called Arishem? Oh, what did I call him? Amersham, which is a town. Uh, just, just in case uh, people have been sat there going like, "Isn't Arishem uh, Amersham a town?" What's he called? Arishem. 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 Maybe I've been to Amersham a lot. <laughs> anyway, I I, I feel you know it's an e- proving me wrong. No, it's an easy spoonerism to 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 do because the Amersham big red one feels better. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, I I can completely agree they've done the characterization well, but that's sacrificed some of the plot and some of the core story stuff that could have been stronger. And and I'm not a hundred percent that I would totally agree on everyone's story. I think I think to a a couple of them are very top level tropey. Summer Hayek is nice and sort of maternal. Maternal. Yeah. And I'm not sure what her personality is beyond that. But she doesn't really get a huge amount no. in this film. But as an example of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camille uh, Nanjiani is very funny. Oh, he's fantastic in this. But over and above that. 
I felt I felt like I felt like he had quite a lot of character. Yeah, he's kind of um, self-obsessed, narcissistic. Okay. Yeah, but also kind of living living a big and interesting life, mm. and has a lot of feelings about being an eternal and finger guns. Has also kind of lived various incarnations, and I, I, I thought that was I really loved that. Mm. I really enjoyed that kind of. I've been my own dynasty. That was that's <laughs> that was good fun. That was very believable. Although. Why he didn't need to get anywhere near as buff as he did? <laughs> mm. That seemed overkill. Yeah, I suppose some people take their opportunities. Mm. Yeah, he does have a very strong chin now. <laughs> <laughs> I take you strong looking, um, not like deadlift. Right, it looks muscular, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> should we? Should we talk about the different Eternals then? Yeah. Hmm. Who's your Let's Who's your favourite Eternal, Abby? Oh, well, look, I mean, it's obvious that it's going to be Angelina Jolie because Angelina <laughs> Jolie is my favourite everything. Um, and just the, the pure Tomb Raider moments of her fighting mm. on the beach and the way she's wearing the outfit from Tomb Raider 2. And I just it was just so Tomb Raider. I was just so excited to see her and I love her so much. And, you know, she had difficult times and she had to sit by a tree and <laughs> did lots of acting. You know, it was, I just love her so much. <laughs> So anyway, that was great. It was just great. It was it was lovely. I love her. So I'm really happy about that. That's did, good. Did you feel she was in it enough? Um, she put the thing in the toaster. <laughs> what do you think? What question do you think I asked you? <laughs> Sorry, the thing is, I really love Angelina Jolie. So you've activated. That's it, you're just giggling. <laughs> just giggly really... Abby. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been drinking, but it's been a really long day. And I just remember when she put the thing in the toast. What are you talking about? Matthew, help me. What is she talking about? Is this a thing at the end with the kid? Yeah. yeah. Throwaway moment. I was going to say, I think we now have Abby being Angelina Jolie. <laughs> That's what we have. Oh, God. This is a delightful moment. <laughs> one of the few times oh dear. it's Sorry, a shame we just, don't record like... the video <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't think about it too much this is good it's fine uh... no <laughs> no okay so very seriously very seriously it's just I hadn't really thought about how much she's in the film and then you ask the question how much is she in the film is she in it enough and obviously I can watch like a whole film that is just Angelina Jolie doing her greatest hits but then I remember all the great things that she does do, and there's loads, and that's really good. That's really good. Good. So that's nice. Good. I do love her. I uh, I particularly loved her her power with the producing the weapons and they that yes. that animation of the well all of the powers just weapons well, of light is a mm. yeah not not mm. so much the laser eyes and finger guns but everyone else's powers <laughs> the way that they were animated I just thought it worked really well um, and it was very organic and yet not yes so yeah she was a favorite for me not quite to your level abby but i'm not sure i reached that <laughs> level um matthew who was your favorite eternal well, well there's a reason that i say you start the series with the big episode of all of them setting up mm. what this thing is and then the next one you go to is angelina jolie because mm. yes she, i mean she gets a huge amount of time in this film compared to the rest of them and what she gets to do is is proper work that i don't think we've ever allowed the and with at the end of the poster credits 
to have this much time and this much development in a film. Mm. Um, which is why I didn't expect her to make it out of it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect her to make it out of it. I was so happy. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? Great? Yeah, so... <laughs> we get more. But I think it's also because it's a quiet performance from her. Yeah. You know, obviously it's big and, and bold with the fighting and when she goes, you know, whatever, um, and fights Mad them all. weary. That's the word, thank you very much. But I think everything outside of that is just her sitting. And and that, mm. okay, uh, and, and this is one of the things that I wasn't able to pull examples of, that's Chloe Zhao. Just focusing on a person for a really long time and letting the actor show you what they're going through. And when, you know, when we talk about Chloe Zhao's other films, Nomadland, when you've got someone like Frances McDormand doing that, <laughs> who's one of the great sort of facial actors mm. and, and doing emotions... I think Angelina Jolie got to do the performance that, that Chloe Zhao is best at delivering for us. So, yeah, she 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 makes the film where where it's good. It's good for her, and it's good for her relationship with Gilgamesh. I, yeah. I loved the relationship with Gilgamesh and the fact that it, it from what we could see, was platonic. Because mm, otherwise, just you know, you get Angelina Jolie dressed like that, looking like that. Of course, you put her in a romance. So it was really nice to have it that you know it wasn't. It was just yeah, he mm. loved her dearly, but not not because um, of uh, her looks. Mm. But let's let's talk about him a bit, maybe next. Um, I just I again I, I really enjoyed his, I suppose role in looking after um, Thema's character and and kind of. The sort of grace with which he was doing these things. and Grace is a great word. It was just a, a lovely, lovely performance throughout. And I was I was really quite surprised as well by how... I've never seen anyone drop a pie with so much emotion. <laughs> just, it was just beautiful. It was, it was a, a really sad pie. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Just really enjoyable screen presence as well. I think, and mm. um, and I think that that's another thing that I liked about this cast of characters is, is they didn't all have to have the quirk, you know. When someone does the thing, so you know it's them, and you can differentiate them from that person next to them. And I, I felt like this didn't do that at all. It let people react in different ways to different things and be the person that they are, relevant to the people who are in the room. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a rare idea, but here we are. And and I loved how having it be. And I, again, I don't know the characters, so I don't know if it is supposed to be Asian coded in the comics, but it's a Korean person playing this character who is the big, strong tank of a character, which in trope is not usually an Asian person. It's usually coded very differently. Um, but then exactly as you say, for them then to be really gentle in how they deal with people and, and how they think, and they're you know, graceful in the kitchen and, Wanting to do more than just be, I'm big and strong, and and the jokes you would make if it was Hulk around all the time, for instance. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's not clumsy or anything. Yeah, love it. Mm. Yeah, um, I think he's he's an iteration of a character who I don't believe is coded as Asian, but I could be wrong. He wears a lot of stuff mm. in there. I I know stuff. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Look like a stuffed kind of thing. Yep. Uh, after seeing this, we've been working through Star Trek: The Next Generation. And we watched the episode Darmok. And yeah. it, it, everyone who's listening is going to know where I'm going with this. But in, in Darmok, they meet a race who um, talk to each other through references to things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's almost joked about it's, it's an early version of meme culture. But Picard is asked to tell a story to one of these aliens. 
and he tells the epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and my wife made a beautiful thing of like, it's really strange hearing him say Gilgamesh when Gilgamesh was just in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Which then lent us to a lovely evening of, wait, let's put this on pause. Let's read the Wikipedia page of the Epic of Gilgamesh. And oh, but then short, you should go and read the Epic of Gilgamesh. Got, got to introduce someone to the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was a very oh, lovely let's... evening. So. Yes, do go and read the Epic of Gilgamesh, everybody, if you haven't. And, yeah, every, every so often there's an archaeological moment. dig and there's a new page or iteration on the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah, awesome. it's like, Amazing. Um, oh God, what's it called? Art of War? No, the film. You know the film they keep finding more of? Oh, Metropolis. Yes, yeah. it's like Metropolis, hmm. but, a, but a story. Okay. And every so often you get more of it. Anyway. Uh, the, the Art of War has the same thing. Every so often they turn up another bit of Sun Tzu. <laughs> But yeah, the, I mean, this is this is the nice thing about um, his character is that every so often he gets mistaken for these kind of great mm. legends throughout history, um, or is attributed um, various names by various cultures. And I just, I really, I really enjoyed that. Nice. And and as as someone being introduced to these for the first time, I, I enjoyed that that they were similar or parallel to some of the myths that have entered our mytholo- mythology. Like, and I quite dig it. I I loved that, and I love that you know it's Athena, not Athena, and mm-hmm. that it's, it's been twisted slightly. Um, and actually, I think that did help with the differentiating and remembering who everybody was, mm-hmm. because you know when you hear Gilgamesh, we've heard that before. So whereas if it's like bloody blah blah, which I'm sure Marvel will be using in the future, then it's you know it's hard, particularly when there's ten of them and they've all got names like yeah, Drax and Raccoon, yeah, for example, yeah, because. If if we whilst whilst we're doing these kind of people who are linked to these things, um, I think Sam Hayek's Ayak is a really interesting choice that they have made for this because um, Ayak is a man, obviously, obviously, in the comics, um, and also is um, in the older comics, uh, sort of conflated with the Aztec god Quetzalcoatl, um, okay. and his his costume is very much like kind of traditional imagery of Quetzalcoatl and that didn't really feel like that was something they were going for no here no, that didn't no. come across yeah. and I thought that was quite interesting that, that they had a steer away um, and I think there's there's so much story that kind of surrounds Ajax's um, relationship with um, the Celestials and sort of all of the things that have happened because I think that you start it Eternal story starts at, at like the fourth iteration of the Celestials, or it's like the fourth Celestial wave okay. or something. Um, Amisham is is the fourth Celestial uh, of of things, and um, Ajax's been involved before, and has sort of so much kind of weight in history. And I I didn't feel that we really got a sense of of Salma Hayek's hmm. Involvement, I, and I think that's the only thing that I I felt was very clipped, was her story mm. and her involvement. And I understand that there's elements of reveal and pacing that you've got to think about, but again, it it felt like where there would have been room to put her weight of story in is right where you needed the film to get on a bit. Mm. Right. Mm. I felt it lost some weight of of the Eternals story. So she knew, obviously, the plan, the emergence. That's why they were actually there. Mm. Does she retain her memories from the previous times they've done this? Um, yeah, when the others don't. So. 
yeah, yeah. because she's sort of the communicator and the, yeah. the leader of things. But, I mean... That would have been interesting to see something of that. Yeah, and, and she does a nice sort of monologue about it and the millions of years mm. that she spent mm. doing these things, but... Also, the fact that, what was it, six days before it was going to happen, she changed her mind after 7,000 years on this planet thinking about it. I I just wonder, would it have been interesting if some of this uh, dilemma and, and disagreement between them could have happened a bit earlier on in history? I, I think that's where I can see this stuff missing from what they planned with this. The trailer mm. has a moment of the returning of half the population has caused the emergence. Oh. And, and that's in the trailer. It's not in the film. Yep. And I think I think they mentioned that, like, oh, the, the snap has um, it slowed it, delayed it. Yeah. But the point is, I think, that the blip, the sudden return of three and a half billion people has oh. caused the emergence. So that's... And that it absolutely would have helped with that time lock. Of like, oh, mm. now it's suddenly happening where we thought we had years. Something mm. like that, but again, yeah. that's gone. And there's there's a couple of little things like that that I'm just ah, uh, it doesn't quite hang together as well. Her whole thing of choosing a successor, I it, I didn't even see where that choice was made. And not, I don't think we're actually shown that. But they then just say, "Oh, Cersei chose you." But d- they do. They show her giving the um the yeah the thing. Well, it comes out of the dead body into her. But there's she, no. She's, she, I, I think we do explicitly see that. Yeah, we do. I'd always taken that that, that she chose Cersei. It wasn't yeah. just that Cersei was around. I, I think she. I'm pretty sure it's explicitly said. I, I think I could my... have done with it being explicitly said. I, yeah. I, I agree that, yes, it's when she goes to her that that's when that happens. So it's like, oh, she's decided she's the one for that to pass on to. But I think somewhere there needs to be just something my... about it. My understanding was that it was generally taken that Icarus was going would would be mm, the next mm-hmm, in line, mm. but then obviously with what what he does, um, Ajax doesn't want to give it to him. But also, I think there's something interesting around Cersei's leadership mm. because I was getting really hacked off in one of the scenes where King goes basically Cersei's. It's towards the end before Kingo disappears, and um, and Cersei's sort of saying we need to do this. What have you? And he kept turning to. Mm-hmm. Um, Icarus and be like, "What do you think, boss?" And I was just like, "She's the boss." I love Stop that so much. A... Ah! I really um, loved that. <laughs> and you know, as, as the scene played out, it made sense. Yeah. My immediate reaction was, "Oh, for God's sake!" Not at yeah. the film, but you know, that's what his character mm. was doing. Um, but it's interesting. Then, when uh, I've been reading and uh, and listening to some things, the the being a few people talking about, you know, that she was, you know, the weakest character or the weakest performance. And I just think it's different, you know. I think the things for me that meant, sort of, the reason for me that why Ajax would would pick her was, you know, was because of her compassion and her love of mankind, mm. and that it's a different type of leadership. She's not standing tall and making proclamations in the way that Icarus is. She's sort of leading from from behind and in the more a kind of servant leadership which is a more feminine approach quite often to leadership. Um, so I thought it was just, it's a quieter, more inward character mm. than we usually see, one, as superheroes, and two, as then leaders of bands of superheroes. But I don't think it's necessary that it's because she was underwritten. I just think it's a different character that we're not used to seeing in that role. 
No, I, I completely agree. And I think when you consider what the leadership actually consists of conferring, it is the ability to... Um, I mean, yes, obviously being leader by name doesn't actually matter, but it's the ability to talk to Arisham that is being passed on. Mm. Um, and if if you had just given that to Icarus, then you know what he's going to say and you know what's going to happen. And it's obvious that she wants to change the course of events because she knows that Cersei is, is not going to respond to that in the same way. And that is the fastest way mm. to to explain the situation. Um, really so yes as, as much as it, it is about um, leadership and so on it's that communication the ability to, to understand what's going on and to do something different she's the only character who's really got that built in I think hmm. um, and then yeah it, it does make for a more interesting form of leadership which is potentially not something she's practised a great deal in life either um i really really liked her character she felt like a, a really nice change um from all the other women i think that we've seen across mm -hmm. the mcu mm -hmm. um yeah and just i really enjoyed spending time with her on screen i think i liked that she didn't always have answers for things i liked that her responses were sometimes took a beat or that she was a little bit more internal. Mm. Um, I thought it was a, a really interesting performance. And whilst I have problems with kind of the textual evolution of her power, I thought the, the actual, again, the way her powers actually kind of came from her fingertips and, and the movements and the sort of the thought processes, you could, you could almost see her thinking, I'll change this into this and then I'll do this with that very quickly and then it happened mm. and I just I thought it was lovely so I, I really enjoyed Cersei's character but I particularly loved the way that people just did not respond to her as a leader because it was just not convenient for what they had assumed and I thought that was really nicely illustrated I think um, I've seen certainly other female directors um, talking about that experience I think that's one of the places I've seen it most clearly um, outlined and I wish that I had come remembering who that was Matthew if it rings a bell let me know but a uh, female director talking about um, everybody on the set turning around and asking someone else what they were going to be doing mm. she'd be like hello yeah. I'm in charge who is that I, I don't know if that's right it feels yeah. like Catherine Bigelow or Sophia Coppola someone of those things. Mm. well I'm sure it's not only yeah. one that's <laughs> yes there's yeah. some, someone who's talked about it particularly about with the DOP I think. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's mm. right. Yeah. And now I can't remember who. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, it, but just I was I thought it was really great to see that illustrated. Kind of not. It it took a while to play out as well, and it was it was annoying. <laughs> I yeah. Like that. But I love it at the end. She didn't. It, you know, you could have that kind of character, and then at the end, she finds her power and she stands up. She tells them all what to bloody do, and that they didn't play that. Mm. You know, that she has to become she didn't have to change in the way that Icarus would yeah mm. Um, mm. so yeah mm. yes Matthew what are your thoughts I was very confused who she was teaching at the National His Natural History Museum <laughs> yes because was it not a visiting school group it appeared to be a group that she knew very well 
Yeah. Like she was teaching a regular class there and they yeah. were regularly coming, which I don't think is a thing. And That's a thing. Mm. Also, the dagger, that's not, that's not going to be in the Natural History Museum. That's going to be in the... Um, Oh, what's the big one where there's all the stuff that we've stolen? British Museum. British Museum. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, that one. Hmm. 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 So beyond <laughs> that, I, I I thought she was fine. I think I'm not going to be able to add anything more to this than what you've said because you've articulated it very eloquently, having spotted it more than I would. So thank you. What did we think of her boyfriend? He was hot. Not just when he flew into the sun. Well, do no, do presumably you mean I didn't mean that boyfriend. John Snow. That boyfriend. I'd say, say no, no. We're doing Eternals, and then we will do. The other oh, people. I see. Oh, I didn't realise we were ranking them. Okay. We're not a ranking, but we, let's, let's all right categorising. <laughs> I so okay original boyfriend. I didn't okay. like where he flew. Boyfriend into the one. Sun. No, that was. A bit <laughs> it just suddenly. That was a little, terrible like, shot. That was a terrible that's shot. A, yeah, it's a Superman three sort of no, shot. That's yeah, yeah. It was like he decided not to come back and do another film, and they went, "Oh, off you go then." Yeah, pun time. <laughs> um, uh, I found it quite boring. Mm. I I think the Superman comparison hurts it very much, and and I've seen things that she based this on. The Henry Cavill Man of Steel stuff, yeah. which, which, you know, it's a very good way of taking it. The thing that I think really hurts it is because they don't reference that. There's not even a line in there of, like, when the kid sees him and says, "Oh, he's Superman." His joke is, "I don't wear a cape," but the joke should be, "But he was based on me." Just something, just a little, you know. And it's it's almost annoying that it's so on the nose when when we're happy throwing out the epic of Gilgamesh and Athena and all these sorts of things. But modern mythology from our rival company, no, 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 we can't mention that. Uh, I don't know. It's it it all adds up to, and this is why I'm sort of mentioning some of this stuff. There's just all these small picky things that hurt the film for me. You know, I've got I've got big picture issues with it, and then I've got all these small things that go through. And I'm like, oh, I just wish they just just just. This is why it's a five, because <laughs> we did talk. You know, we we talk about these ratings sometimes, and I'm like six, five, four. And we were like, no, it's not a four. It's not bad, and we're telling people not to see it. It's just not quite good. <laughs> is where we ended up on it. So Icarus was fine. He was also there. His powers were a bit standard. I. I can't remember where I read it, but I was reading and someone made the suggestion that it would have been so much better if we saw his turn before the Eternals did. And so there was then the tension. And I agree there, absolutely. Because when his turn came, it wasn't shocking. Um, But it was just, it was a change. It wasn't... Yeah, I, that's something that um, I do agree. Uh, I wish I could remember who it was that I was reading. but And they said that the film kind of lacks tension, which mm. I do think it does. When they find Ajax's body, and he says it must have been a deviant, I instantly went, "That wasn't a deviant." We're being lied to here because if it was a deviant, they would have shown the action sequence because they flipping love that stuff. (laughs) 
So instantly I'm like, no, we're being lied to here. And I started wondering if he'd killed her for some reason. So I don't even think the turn held that. <gasps> it's a reveal. Oh, oh no, he did a th- yeah. mm. No, I... Or was I thinking I, too I hard about it? Say, I can't say I saw it coming as such, but when it happened, it wasn't a... Oh, it was kind of, all right. Okay. Yeah. But I think it's maybe just because it was a bit boring. I mean, I think, for me, he's sort of like a slightly less annoying Cyclops from the X-Men. Um, <laughs> which... which you know, is maybe that also? Awesome. Maybe it's the laser eyes. Mm. Maybe it just does something to them. Yeah. Well, the laser eyes is kind of dull. Um, but I really, really liked the the way that he flew. <laughs> like I thought that it was better flying than I've seen someone do in that kind of way um, mm. for a really long time. I just I really liked the heft of it. It was nicely done, nicely realised. I thought. Mm. Um, Oh, he was quite yeah boring. I can't really retain any information about him. <laughs> um, in in a so, edging towards Captain America sort of way, I can remember his Captain contribution America. to the plot. But it's it's the bit where he's just like, yeah, I could lead the Avengers. And I was like, oh yeah, you probably could. <laughs> 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 oh, so so yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember where he was in the film in terms of everybody else, but actual aspects of character, not really. Not not thrilling. Um, and, and I suppose as well, it's you don't want him to be too interesting or too useful because he doesn't make it out of the film. Mm. Or, does <laughs> or does he? I mean, you know, maybe there's something in the sun. And again, thinking about the 7,000 year thing, he's he's not right as a leader because he doesn't really make decisions or have views on things he's he, he is the tank and yes emotionally yeah again after seven thousand years you'd probably be self-aware enough to be like yeah no i'm not the leader i'm not i love I... that you think people evolve over time <laughs> and just give them more time and everybody i have to can... hope i can and i'm not seven thousand years <laughs> I feel like seven thousand space robot. <laughs> I could be who d- who specifically doesn't evolve. That's of the, of the three of us, of I could be. <laughs> Based on what? <laughs> no, that that is fair. That yes, they don't evolve in that way. But I feel like you would uh, come to terms with some of your personality or something in there. Again, just small things. But I mean, again, I like that you think that people might. And and that self awareness would be a quality that that someone like his character might possess. <laughs> yeah. To be fair to him, he was self aware enough to know that he needed to remove himself from the equation when he found out mm. about the emergence, because mm. he wouldn't be able to keep it a secret from the others, or a secret from Cersei in particular, or you know couldn't face her mm. knowing that. Okay, it's boring. Let's move on. Um, Fastos, <laughs> I liked Fastos. Yes. One of the things that people have been talking about with Fastos is the Hiroshima scene. Mm. Thoughts? Hated it. I hate it when um, when people reference things, recent things like that. And I think mm. anything that um, detracts from the facts, responsibility and truth of that kind of last 150 years or so of history, I think, is, is always bad. I don't like 
there's a lot of situations where I don't enjoy that in um, superhero films. And this was just another one of them. Mm -hmm. I would like that not to have been there. And I think that you could have found something else from the last 7,000 years of history to make your point. I I would agree because I I don't know if it's distance or the, you know, in inverted commas, exoticness of it being in Japan. Imagine if he'd been stood at ground zero talking about that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't feel good. You know, well, I didn't love it in Wonder Woman, if I'm honest with you. So, mm. you know, so uh, I and it's really weird because I didn't mind it in the second Wolverine film where he's there and he helps save someone, but I think I it's think it's because it's you're doing a different take on the scene, yeah, and that focused on the, the horror, mm. it, it actually showed something, it didn't use it as a background, absolutely. I think also similarly with something like with Magneto's origin story, um, it he is a character yeah. of the story, mm-hmm. yeah, and weaving facts and and our world together mm-hmm. with those worlds, uh, and it is lent into with to various effects. But this was a drop in shot, and I thought it was very poorly judged. Yeah. I would try to think about this. So there is an argument on the other side that if we keep referencing things like this, it does keep it in people's memories. I mean, we all are familiar with with what happened, but I mean, maybe kids watching this and that aren't. Maybe they Mm. go and look it up and then they become aware. I don't know. But I don't know how helpful it is to conflate it with Atlantis. Or, you know, any other kind of... I don't know where the Atlantis reference is coming from. I don't know what you're talking about. They're in Atlantis, aren't they? In one of the earlier flashbacks. Are they? Like it's one of the, aren't they? I... Not that it I could noticed, be that, but... that. That's. I mean, it may not have said it on screen. It, they are in the comics. Mm. It is part yeah, okay, of it in okay, the okay. comics. So, but you know, why not use Atlantis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do fictional <laughs> stuff to land the same moment. Yeah. What, what was what was the, the the island city thing in? Falcon and Winter Soldier. Magrathea. That's not Magrathea. That's Hitchhiker's Guide. Madripoor. Yes. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I know, but I mean. But but, but it's it's the still the same moment. That scene yeah. was how appalling humans. Yeah. But the thing is, become. if you if you don't know that Hiroshima happened, if you don't know that Hiroshima happened, then you're not going to know from that film that it's not Madripoor or anything else because. Yeah. It, it's it's not a history lesson and the rest of the film does not offer you mm. a suggestion that that might be some further reading again it could be that it is part of something else but it feels like a short uh, using it for emotional shorthand which again is something I object to mm. yeah um, yeah I mean they could have gone further back and had it that well I mean even World War One. no I still I still don't like that um, <laughs> but you you could do Atlantis you could do mm. any number Atlantis of things. Atlantis doesn't work for the purpose of that scene is is for Fastos to be lamenting the fact that he has helped humanity to improve improve in inverted commas its technological capability, and that has then led to atrocity. The mm. the atrocity. Um, you could make anything. You could literally do any Atlantis. mushroom cloud in any fictional country. Mm. You you don't have to use a real 
You could, you could even do that he was on the Manhattan Project and saw the tests out in the Hawaiian Atoll or something. And that was where he mm. walked away because mm. he could see what it was going to be used for. Yeah, that's, you know. that's a good one. That's a good one. Because there, there are <laughs> islands out there you still can't go on. So Yeah, we'll, we'll accept that. I'll yes. Accept it. I, yeah, emotional shorthand is I, I, I didn't like with him... That because his recruitment sequence came very late on, his recruitment was incredibly quick. It felt like it was a couple of lines, and then he was on board. Oh, I mean, we spent quite a bit of time. Well, I mean, in, in relative to everyone else in this film, we spent quite a bit of time with him and his family, and then. I, I don't feel like Sorry. we did, and again, this is you know only having seen it the once. But I felt like we got a yeah. lot of time Gilgamesh, Thena, why they're coming back in. We've got a lot of time King O and the funny, funny uh, valet, uh, and and then we got there and we made a couple of jokes and said, "But you have to." And he went, "Oh, all right then." I felt like he had he had a clear illustration of a life and a choice that he had made, and because he had moved into this domestic life in a way almost kind of seeing his home and his family felt like a lot more honestly a lot more grounding than I got mm. in for some of the other characters and I think the thing that I struggled with 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 um I suppose with the whole character was also again his power which really went went from kind of I can do technology to I can do everything <laughs> my hands and the golden things and I, I believe that he can but also there were really some convenient moments there and I was just like wow it's super lucky that you did the thing with your hands enough and then now the, <laughs> with the golden or whatever and it, I mean thank goodness for those sparkles like that's alright um, <laughs> it's just like it, it, it got a bit he just needs to keep doing the thing and we'll do some jeopardy shouting it was quick with the hands <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like that the hands that the hands thing, the light show with him yeah. was the Tony Stark hands light thing. I really okay. liked the similarity there. Yeah. Um it really worked with it, it, again the Marvel shorthand of I know what, what I'm looking at here. Yeah, we're looking at mechanically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think as far as his recruitment, I mean he's he's of all of them the one with the most obvious motivation really to mm. to join Cersei's band. And and as arguments go, his husband going you have to, or yeah. or yeah. we're all dead. So yeah. I need you to. Like that was it was good. Mm. It was quite. I, I think he deserved more, frankly, because he but had also, the life. He had the reasoning behind it. Also, I did really like that. It's like, well, I guess this is just obvious, and it it was kind of. I was a bit worried that husband was going to have to go through the trauma and the, we were going to have to do some performative angst, and we didn't. It was just like, well, okay, fine, off you go, bye. You must do the thing. Um, I, I quite liked the brevity there because I think any more and it would have just been really sad. And and I like that it wasn't. And we got to keep that lightness in that sequence, which, you know, for obvious reasons, quite important sequence. And I really enjoyed it. So that's nice. So what did we think of the Disney's representation? Sorry. What do we think of Disney doing representation finally? Yeah, this is what it looks like. That's good. Mm. That's that's the thing. That's that's doing the thing. <laughs> yeah, I was. I really start noting who the hell I'm listening to and uh, reading. But there was um, actually, I think it was a random person on Twitter who was talking about was complaining that um, there was no point having the kiss 
if there's no passion behind it, if there's no heat. And I thought, well, it's If you've never kissed someone in front of your friends. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And you're not 14, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's Marvel. Um, We had the first sex scene. It wasn't particularly passionate, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get round to talking about that, but I must say that's not what I was expecting. unremarkable we've not talked about it. Um, But I, I thought it was lovely. I thought it was... Yeah. It felt really it wasn't, domestic mm. and not in mm. a ooh point look at this mm. I mean obviously everyone was going to go oh that's that's new and that's that's exciting mm-hmm. and thank god that's there but I still had the same as I, I think I've said to you um, Abby when I was watching She-Ra and the Princess of Power towards the end spoilers for She-Ra and the Princess of Power everybody giving you a second <sighs> that isn't going to work I've got my fingers um, in my ears <laughs> uh, and right at the final episode of that I was like uh, they're not oh my god they're not actually going to let them kiss they're not this is how how are they not going to because it's so clearly and then when the uh, the two female characters do kiss and it's like oh thank god and I had a moment here where I was like oh surely they're going to have to surely they can't try and dip out on this one but given Disney's mm-hmm. previous uh, mm. experience and so I was very pleased that we got that and even more so then and again, things may have changed since I've read this, but that they were f- refusing to take out the scene for certain territories. Marble did, yeah. That it's not, mm. yeah. That means it's not going to be shown in those territories. And Which, that's a choice. That is um, a choice. Because they could, they could have taken out the kiss at least. They couldn't have taken out the relationship. I mean, physically, they could have. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, digging into that a little bit more. Has it been released in China yet? No, but that's more to do with Chloe. Jean. Yeah, so I think it wasn't going to be anyway because of the director. And then there's yeah. other territories, but Saudi the, the point is, you know, China is the biggest cinema territory in the world at this state. So mm. if they know it's not going to be released there anyway, this is the easy one to dig its heels in, in on. Not not yeah. that's letting them off because they also got Chloe Zhao to direct it. You know, bravo. Yeah. Hmm. More, more of that. Let's have yeah. Sophia Coppola and mm. Jane Campion doing these things. Oh, I want to see the Sofia Coppola Marvel film so much. That is a different conversation that we will have at a different time. But half knows that episode. now a part of my brain. Yes, now a part of my brain is working on this. Maybe Angelina so, can be in it. Anyway. As, as we touched on it, do we have anything else to say about the first Marvel sex scene? I mean, you could be forgiven for thinking it was something else altogether. It was just really weird. It was really weird. Just kind of shoulders up, but horizontally. It's really it like they were having a lie down. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of space, so they did it on top of each other. It I, was there. I was. Hmm. Yeah, I mean okay. that that was one of the only things that I'd seen was that it would have the first Marvel sex scene. I thought, oh, I wonder what that will look like. Probably some tasteful sheet wrapping or something. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect L-shaped that. L-shaped sheets. Yeah. Mm. I, I, no. I, there was definitely an article, if not several articles, with people uh, talking about the lack of particular romantic relationships in the MCU. And and by and large, there aren't that many of them. Um, and I think I like that. I like yeah. that we don't shoehorn these things in and say, oh, because we've got a male lead, we have to give them a female sidekick and they have to end up in a relationship together and all this. And, and it does happen, perhaps more than it even then should. But I, I can't say that I've ever thought like, oh, I wish there was more. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind a bit more romance, mm. where it's romance, not this epic. You know, I love Wonder and Vision, mm-hmm. 
but it's also bloody painful mm. and so yeah i could deal with a bit more of that but I, I don't think you know these are fundamentally much as we are three adults talking about it these are fundamentally films that kids mm. should be able to watch and i'm not to be honest as i said what they've provided as far as the sex scene is concerned i have no problem at all as far as that's something children can watch although it may confuse them as to what it's meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> but um and i was also there was someone on twitter talking about uh and it was a scene from pirates of the caribbean and talking about how much tension there was in those films even though they were pg-13 uh and it's orlando bloom and Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Um, and nothing's happening, but there is. They're just having like a, you know, forehead touching tension moment. And um, and I don't think we actually got much of even that in this. I didn't feel that there was really much chemistry between the two of them. It's it's not really a romantic franchise, is it, really? And even when it is, it isn't. No, <laughs> It's very it's chaste. These two characters, mm. um, Icarus and Cersei, mm. were meant to have been, you know, together for 5,000 years. Is it Richard Madden? Because I can't think of seeing him with anyone and thinking there was tension. I mean, even in... I, the only other thing I've seen him in is The Bodyguard. Yeah, no, he had he had good chemistry with Keely... Okay. Hors? Keely Hors, is that right? There was some. I don't. I can't remember it being like, oh, yeah, that was gripping, that was hot and intense and stuff. And I, I think his character in Game of Thrones didn't have it with the relationships he had there. I I think, yeah. Just discovered he's got the same birthday as me, so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> well, that explains everything. I I think that in a way, there's there's something quite nice sometimes about not having this kind of exhaustive chemistry hmm. necessarily with a male lead because we have plenty of male leads in the world who exude chemistry, and sometimes it gets in the way of other things like the uh, plot. <laughs> I wouldn't want all of our Marvel mm. people to have it, but when you have got this couple that are supposedly space robots, you know, yeah, but space <laughs> robots, the epic romance. But it's not, is it? Because they're space robots as well. So I don't know. I I, I, I don't like excusing my difficulties with some of the performance and some of the writing with oh, but they're only space robots. No, and, and <laughs> I, I'm. I feel like that's almost the easy way out, and I want to expect more for my space robots. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> higher standards of space robots. Yeah. Makari. Great. Thanks for having a deaf person. That's good. Again, representation. All for it. I felt like she also disappeared in part of the film. I, I felt that of all the characters, she was the one where I was sometimes like, I can't remember what she's doing at this point. And again, I felt like she had suffered from some cuts somewhere, just some kind of enriching bits. Mm. I don't know. I quite like the kind of cheekiness that came across with her. Yeah. You felt that, you know, she definitely definitely felt that she had a sense of humour. You didn't necessarily get to see much of it. But, you know, it, it was there for the time she was on screen. Um, I like the way that they did the speed stuff effects. Um, I like I like the... the um, the way that the speed stuff actually looked like a real asset. You know how sometimes when people yeah. have speed as as an attribute, it looks like a really rubbish power or, or really Unless annoying. Unless you can turn back time, but yeah. Mm. I thought she made it look really, really rather helpful. Yeah. I was quite envious by the end. Of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I liked. I think I would have liked to see more of her on screen to really understand it, it, more of her character. Yeah, in the same way that I think they didn't differentiate Icarus from Superman, and it hurt them. I think they didn't mm. even try to differentiate Macquarie from Flash, and it worked because Flash is awesome and his powers are awesome, <laughs> and they used it really well here. Like I, I just felt so comfortable with. Well, yes, that's how you fight when you're a speedster. And they just lent into it, and it was good. Druig. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I thought he. I thought it was interesting having him there as being the one Eternal who's saying, "No, we really ought to get involved with all these one, all these humans trying to kill each other." And that yes, to complicate it even more, the way that he does that is uh, mind control. Yes, I, I think he's got one of the most complicated powers to explore because, mm. you know, again, um, obviously in X-Men you, you've got just so much Charles Xavier that is not explored when you look at uh, how he deals with mind control and so on. And I, I thought that there was something quite interesting about seeing it sort of en masse, mm. about the mass mind control aspect being... Um, a power of his rather than it being focused on kind of one person here and there, which is how you usually see it. Um, I, I really liked the performance. I really liked his aesthetic. I really liked, um, I, I think as well, kind of the, the costume choice for him. Like he'd found an aesthetic <laughs> and gone for it at, at one point, um, not that long ago. And I thought that it was a, a good strong performance I never quite felt that he was going to be the point of the story though mm. he didn't quite feel like a main character and I think that's the same for Makari as well I think neither of them felt like they were allowed to be main characters mm -hmm. yet they both had the potential mm. to carry yeah. yeah I think it feels like he got more more of a storyline in that there was that that argument as to and he seemed to be the only Eternal who felt that they should be inter intervening between men's wars and, and other issues um, and I felt that if anything there was more discussion of that as an ethical dilemma than there was as to whether they should kill Tiamat the baby celestial or not and I, I think in a way that's a bit because we've had that sort of wondering pop up more in in Marvel stuff generally, so I think the film felt like it really had to justify that. Like I, I think that that's more a dialogue between the film and the audience than between the Eternals themselves. And so, did you did you buy the explanation as to why the Eternals haven't got involved with with both our wars and also things that we've seen in the MCU, the Battle of New York, Thanos, etc. Well, I mean, they're, they're not supposed to. <laughs> That's That would not help. Um, humans are supposed to be left to do what they do. And, you know, there is a higher reason for that that obviously they don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I thought... I thought it it worked. My... So this is why I had to check my understanding because I've only seen it once. My understanding is that, yes, one, they were told by Amy Watts's name that no they shouldn't get involved and so therefore they they were good eternals and good at space robots and, and didn't go against his uh, instructions 
But also there was a reason given, I thought, and that's that we progress through war, which unfortunately is true, um, as far as technology and, and advancement and what have you. And that the, the baby celestial needed there to be enough humans on the planet of a enough level of critical mass intelligence of, slash mm. progression slash whatever you want to call it in order to then have the emergence and be born so there seemed to be so have i got that right that was the argument because there seemed to be a lot of people on and critics as well that i read who really didn't i don't know missed it or so they were saying you know basically say had picked up the 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 eternal sorry the um celestial needed a lot of people but they're running the argument that so surely for more people then stop them killing each other and then there'll be more people but that for me that missed a rather fundamental point of it as, as you say we as a species develop by growing you know conquering new areas getting technology to make us the dominant species more buildings longer lives yeah war, war makes us develop so and they're, you know, yeah. they're playing a thousands of year long game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think also kind of wars here and there aren't what necessarily, necessarily affect the population the mm-hmm. most. Yeah. Um, and I think that with something like the snap, I think that that shows the kind of magnitude of event that needed to happen to actually mm-hmm. affect things. Um, I keep forgetting to say it. every time we mention it, but I just I really want to say I really really liked um, that the snap had had this really specific effect. I mm. love that detail, and it was a perfect reason to tell this story now. I, mm. I really like that aspect of it. So yeah. why did they only keep that in the trailer? Because that does seem quite a fundamental thing. To, yeah. Well, they do the say that something they do it is mentioned in the film, but it, there was but, uh, more in the trailer. I thought in the film the mention is that almost that Thanos did us a favour by setting things back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And then when they came back, oh no, we're back to where we were. Mm. So almost my impression from the film was almost that. Uh, well, no, almost my impression from the film was that if Thanos hadn't happened, if Thanos hadn't snapped, then the emergence would have happened pretty much five years earlier than it did. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that that was my take as well. But I, like I say, I'm being informed by the trailer, and maybe you know, maybe I need to go back and watch the trailer and see exactly what they say. But so we've covered finally all of all ten Eternals. <laughs> Abby, about four and a half hours ago, you said that uh, you wanted to talk about Cersei's boyfriend. By which I do, Dane. Dane. I, is that his Dane. name? Dane, the boy band member. What a t- Dane. Dane Whitman. What a terrible blooming name. Wow. Uh, he, that is a member of Blue. It really is, isn't it? It is. Dane Whitman had 15 minutes of fame and now works in a chippy or something, doesn't he? <laughs> Dane Whitman. Blimey. That's a treat, isn't it? So. So. I, 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 <laughs> you raised him at me. <laughs> I mean, I did. But that's why I asked the question, was so other people would have to find I quite like Kit Harrington. I liked that it sort of had this moment of him and Richard Madden together as, like, wink, nudge, we know what we're doing here. In the same way the Russo brothers said, oh, no, we thought it would be too on the nose to have a Sherlock reference between Cumberbatch and Danny Jr. Like, well, it would have been, but we also would have loved it, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, still yeah. have not watched Game of Thrones and I keep thinking maybe I'm going to and then I don't. No, don't. 
You no, don't. I know. I know. No, they really it'd be don't. Nice to know what people are talking about. There are um, like four thousand other series that that you should watch first. Can I think um, of any? Don't start hounding me. <laughs> um, also, it doesn't help that she's called Cersei, even if it is spelled differently. <laughs> it, it really didn't help. It, it really bothered me. <laughs> so, I don't really know who the hell this is because I've not, I mean I do because he's in the press and what have you, but because I've not seen Game of Thrones, I think this might be the first thing I've seen him in. Hmm. And I was to start with, I thought, okay, fine, and then after a while, I was thinking. He's quite famous to just be playing the boyfriend. <laughs> and then I forgot about it because there were 700 other characters turned up. But um, I quite liked him in the role, uh, as the boyfriend role. And um, and I, I liked, I really liked that he was asking her if she was a wizard. And the idea that, you know, it's completely reasonable to think that your girlfriend might be a wizard if some weird stuff's going on because there are, you know, increasing numbers of them around, mm-hmm. it seems, in this world that they're living in. Uh, so and I thought it was a good performance. I mean, it was a bit blah, but he was the, you know, the the plus one for much of the film. So I think that's fine, particularly when there's so many other people um, to focus on. So Abby, do you have any specific thoughts on him? Well, I, I, much like you, I thought he's a bit famous to um, to just mm. be the boyfriend, and uh, like I thought, oh maybe they're going to do something funny. But then we got to kind of the end of the film and he hadn't really done anything funny. And then we got to the actual end of the film and I thought, oh. I see. Yeah. I see. And I didn't expect that, I must say. Mm. So um, <laughs> so that's going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It made me very happy to have Maharshala Ali doing something, finally. Yeah. A few well, years yeah. after they said he was coming to do stuff, I'm, it, it made me excited for what's coming next. But it's not how I imagined he would be introduced. No, but... But, um, but I, I do like those bits with the uh, and, and to be honest I had no idea well, I still don't really know who the Black Knight yeah. she says questioning mm-hmm. me um, is. but I I that's kind of what those post credit scenes are for it's like when the big purple man turned around and looked at you all on, and most of us went Muh? and then went to Google <laughs> it's it's nice to have that Ooh, so what is that mm. and who's that voice and da, da, da. so uh I mean, I assume we're not getting Blade for quite some time, so they've not even started talking about pre-production yet, have they? Hold, please. I've not. <laughs> Upcoming. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's not even on the list. No, it's not on the slate, but I think they have a director and a writer attached. Couldn't tell yes, you. it's the lady who did Candyman, isn't it? Oh, is it? She says, never having seen the film because it's a scary film, but having listened to many podcasts about it, and it sounds interesting. <laughs> I want to say Nia DaCosta, and I don't think that's yeah, right. Yes, yes. that is the Candyman yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, cool. That is cool. That's exciting. Mm. Okay, so I think we're done with Dane Whitman. Um... But, I mean, just, just to say that, you know, he does eventually go on to lead the Avengers, and I think in a Game of Thrones way, there's something quite interesting, interesting about that. Mm. Just, you know. That's an the fact that he's been paired with Blade made me assume he was more on the supernatural side of things. That's an interesting crossover. I, I think he does cross through a couple of okay. strands of Marvel. And I think that this is one of the things that's quite nice to us, is, is you sort of realise how sort of linear our exposure to a lot of Marvel has mm. been so far. But it really is a sprawling multiverse of all sorts. And people do drop in and out all the time. Matthew, you're doing a lot of faces. Mm. What did Nia, you look up? Nia DaCosta is directing the Marvels. Oh, 
Yes, because I, I, that was what confused me. So I'm like, no, she's on the table of things that are coming out. Fine, so she's directing that. The writer for Blade is Stacey Osei-Kufour, mm. who wrote um, an episode of, and I think was like story writer for the Watchmen series, which was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. So mm. I don't think has a director from what I can see. Exciting. But... Karen, any thoughts? I thought he was funny. Enjoyed him as the human element. I I really want, in the same way we've been talking about it for the pets, I really want the human sidekick Avengers. Mm. I want him and Happy and Ned and Rachel McAdams <laughs> and Louis from Ant-Man. To, <laughs> even if it's just like a support group or a WhatsApp group or something. Do do the Marvel one-shots as like stories about them. Yes. <laughs> hey, what did your guy do recently? Well, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> scenes from the group chat I love it's it it's like upstairs downstairs <laughs> yes yeah, yes <laughs> like yes give us the sidekick story and occasionally you see like someone blow up a building in the background like, oh, God, yeah gotta go his left is you know behind. pick up a spaceship and yeah exactly <laughs> That's the series we want. Yes, isn't it? That is actually mm. really the series we want, and then they can organise the insurance <laughs> details. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. No, I, I really, I really did think that you know you always need somebody coming along and and seeing things mm-hmm. through a lens. And I like that. Many lenses. How many cameras <laughs> do you have? Is a great line. I enjoyed that line. Um, yeah. He was very good for exposition. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I, I thought he yes. he served an essential role well, and I I thought that it was, I thought he was an enjoyable character. Um, yeah, the the character in this that I'm disappointed in is the deviant. I, I I really enjoyed the deviant getting new, sort of sentience. Mm. <laughs> I, I I don't know what is the right word for it. And I thought they were going to do again. This is part of the disappointment with that. I thought they were going to do more with the deviant because. Karen makes that comment of like, but it's beautiful. And 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 they were beautifully done. They were really interesting. And then you've got, you know, this interesting character being developed. And they were the bad thing, the villain in some ways. And it, it felt like there was a thing there of them joining That's exactly the, the mind link. That's exactly or... what I was waiting for. My enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Just <sighs> and Felt like uh, the design of Core when he actually then did his final bit of sucking out of whichever I can't remember which eternal it was he did. and then I didn't particularly like the design when he has like the has he ever got three eyes or something? Anyway. Thought that was weird. Four eyes. Yeah, no. Yeah. I did like the idea that the deviants came from the big red man. Amisham. Mm-hmm. Arisham. I think you'll find it, Matthew. <laughs> and that the idea that it was that you know, they were there to kill the apex predators, that, so that to keep the um, the human batteries um, developing. But yeah, it did seem a bit. It almost felt like one storyline too many, and they didn't quite know what to do with them, and so they just kind of flushed them away to the side. We needed a monster at the, at the mm. beginning, um, and I just yeah, I think something more. They could have done something more interesting with them. I mean, it was a great scene when. Uh, when Thena takes him out. Yeah. I, I really mm. like that. But as far as the wider story, it felt mm. a little um, mm. forgotten. Yeah. It, it did feel like a missed opportunity. And also when you get Bill Scarshield in to voice it mm. as well, it was it was interesting. 
But yeah, at some point, plug your plot B into your plot yeah. A, and you've got it a better story. It's clear that there was a... Mm. Yeah, whether they joined the uni mind, or if they just, I don't know, maybe they kept Icarus busy. Something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Talking of the uni mind, I mean, those looked a lot like Ten Rings to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is it possible that it's celestial technology? Because we don't know what the Ten Rings are. Um... I assume so, particularly at the credit sting on Shang-Chi. They say that it's mm. consider- they're considerably older than the thousand years that when we had them. Um, mm-hmm. But not as I had suspected. The beacon doesn't appear to have been to do with the Eternals, or at least isn't so far. Unless I missed that bit in the film. Mm. Well, unless it's uh, other Eternals, the the fact that Earth is actually yeah, absolutely. I meant this. Yeah. Sorry, this film. I was expecting it to be mm. leading on mm. to this film. Um, so that's still something out there. Which is is uh, and that's uh, this is going to be a slight tangent, but that's one of my just hanging on to hopes of why this film. I I, I don't understand in the grand scale of the MCU why this film because. In some ways, the introduction of Doctor Strange and, you know, how the event, the line of the Avengers face earthly threats, we face threats on another plane, was supposed to be opening up some of this space. And, and they've yeah. not done that yet because we've not had another one of those films yet. This was like, stop introducing new things. Play, play with the toys you've got and do stuff more with them. I don't understand why this film is being made and it's making me wait for the next Doctor Strange, the next Captain Marvel, the next... Of the, exactly, of, of the other stories I want. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 I'm sort of expecting it to tie in more somewhere. This It feels like, Abby, you said it was like Civil War. This feels like, oh, we want to do that story. Let's fit it in here. And then we can go and do the other stories that we want to do. But this feels like it's it could be setting up a whole new phase of stories and things. Well, I think and I don't is. understand why they're doing it in the middle of a phase where they've already got other stories going I don't on. think we are in the middle of a phase. I think we've just watched a lot of TV. Well, um, we that's entirely possible. This is for the film watchers, not the TV watchers. But but honestly, we what mm. I think what we've done is we've had the Black Widow film, which leaves us with a character or so. We've had Shang-Chi, which leaves us with a couple of characters and sort of suggests some direction. And we've got this, which opens an entire new plane of time, if you like, and, and Eternals mm. and Contemplation. Not to mention now Harry Styles is in the MCU, which I can't believe we've gone an hour and a half of talking and not mentioned that yet. Well. Shall we mention that? Is, yeah, well, well, what, Matthew? Well, what? Not not so much a small comment about my watch of this this film. You know, I've, I've said there's lots of small things that irritated me. The gaggle of girls sat in the cinema who all got their iPhones out with the flashes on permanently, filming the screen when Harry Styles came on. And we're just sat there going, can we just watch it? This is going to be on YouTube in 30 seconds. You don't need to video it, please. So I've just got these lights glaring over me as I'm trying to watch (laughs) Harry Styles on screen, finally. I was still having to tell people there was another credit sequence. We we nipped out for a loo break and then came back in for the last one. No, people were leaving. <laughs> like, leaving, right. leaving. Past the loos. <laughs> so it left me with a, a very negative feeling of, like, okay, that's annoying now. I had a similar... Well, I had a different negative feeling in that I was spoiled. Ah. 
Because this was the Vanity Fair. Is this the... I was going to ask. Yeah. Right. And I managed to avoid anything on Twitter, etc. And then I looked up something else about casting. I can't even remember who. But someone else was announced at the time, cast. Oh, it was uh, Will Poulter as... Don't know. Oh, really? Don't know. Oh, then I have some news, which I can't remember. <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> okay, I won't then. It is more open. This is open casting that people have, they've been okay. talking about openly. But okay, I won't tell you because I can't remember. Anyway, so I was looking at that, um, and then I saw also and Will Poulter and Harry Styles on. So I a headline on something completely different. So I thought, oh, okay, that's again. I don't mind if it's open casting that mm-hmm. we're meant to know about. It's where this was obviously something they were trying to keep quiet. And then I read it, and then I realised that oh, that's the Vanity Fair spoiler. Oh. Uh, and then I actually messaged both of you about it before I realised it was a spoiler, and then deleted it and said, "I really hope you didn't read that because I think I've just accidentally spoiled you on something." Oh, yeah. but it sounds like you didn't read it, thankfully. So I was just sat there angry in most of that scene because I thought this would have been a ha- this and the fact that he is Thanos's brother would have been a oh, mm-hmm. in fact. The Thanos' brother would have been more impressive to me because I'm not that bothered about Harry Styles, if I'm honest. Um, though, yay, if people are. Uh, and instead, I just sat there being angry. But I think this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an Eternal. He's Thanos' brother. Interesting. He's Eros, so maybe we'll get some more of these scenes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. We shall see. The CGI on uh, Pip the Troll needs to improve. Yeah, that was bad. I... And that's, I, I will admit, that's something that was distracting me because the headlines I'd seen but avoided was who is the mystery voice in the ah. Eternals credit sequence. So when that came on, I'm like, that's Pat <laughs> Not such <laughs> a mystery. It's a, it's a bit weird. Like, sounds a little bit like Seth Rogen, but not Seth Rogen. Oh, it's Pat Oswald. So I was really confused why there was this whole thing about the voice. And then I saw the second credit sequence. And I went, ah, okay. I got you now. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's hmm. interesting. Uh, it looks like we're going to get Thena, Makari, and Druig, was it? Back again, because they're all in the spaceship, mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. to find more Eternals. Um, more Eternals. More yeah, of them. More of them to add to the cast. <laughs> um, Abby, anything from the comics on Eros? I mean, he... So he is a complicated character who has... Um, I, I just... It's one of those things where when you look at kind of the things you remember about a character and you go and look it up and you just think, what are you doing, Marvel? <laughs> what, what, Which of these storylines could you possibly do? But um, he could possibly tie into She-Hulk. Um, okay. And, which I, I don't know if... Because that's TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a very complicated She-Hulk story at one point um and possibly into the marvels even um because he has a friendship with marvell who was played by who i can't remember the name of um annette mm. yes annette <clears throat> yes mm. i mean obviously a man in the comics mm. um and their friends and yeah and he also gets involved with the Avengers again at some point so we could be seeing a really different incarnation of the Avengers coming up um I guess they could pick out any number of great sort of threats to things. I suppose we're all sort of wondering, because we spent so long with WandaVision and Doctor Strange, um, whether the multiverse-ness of things is to be cracked open and also added to the mix, or if, in fact, that's just going to be dealt with in Doctor Strange, 
and possibly Spider-Man. I think, mm. I think both. And mm. Ant-Man. Yeah. Like, is is there a small arc and then a bigger arc coming? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what they're doing, but certainly having Harry Styles on board mm. is um, going to be good for business. And I, I really think he's a fantastic actor. I, I genuinely oh, do. I, I, mm. you see, I mean, have mm. you seen Dunkirk? No. He's, I think he's mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. I've heard, heard that he's good in it. Yeah. Excellent. One of the better parts of the film. In the yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think he's got yes. a lot of presence and I thought he really did look the part. So, mm. yeah. I, I, I also wonder... Because they've not necessarily delivered on everything they've ever done in the credit sequence. It's true. Um, no, but I'm thinking specifically Adam from Guardians Two, but oh the no, we will see that. Things, which which we should do. Yeah, we will. But I also think they do like throwing these things in somewhere. Is like this might be the time that we see it. If we get mm. the Eternals again, then I think he's going to be there because yeah, you know, they're they're off looking for other Eternals, and then he turns up as an Eternal. I don't. Well, I suppose. Mm. Well, it depends. I suppose how yeah. they consider this film is done. I suppose. Yeah, it, it just depends how it kind of comes back together if it does. And and we keep sort of, or I keep thinking of the Avengers as being the kind of heart of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I keep having to watch them <laughs> do things. Um, so they must be. Otherwise, I would just be able to ignore them. But I can't mm-hmm. because it affects everything. And um, so yeah, what. Will there be a new Avengers film? I mean, is this what the new Captain America film will do? Like, like, where are we going to, where are we going to ground Marvel? Mm. You know, what is the through line for these things? Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of hope the, uh, you know, phase ending type films, the culmination of story films, aren't going to be Avengers. You know, whatever big reference name for them is. Mm. I, I, I'm hoping they do just single films that don't don't even necessarily have the name of the characters attached to them. It's just Marvel's... I'm going to say Emergence because that's the only thing that's coming mm. to mind. But, you know, that's a, a line in the sand. Here is the big combination of all these different things we've, we've had. You know, uh, Marvel's multiverse yeah. ending. Almost like an annual, a special yeah. edition. I, it's yeah. a really nice way to think about it, actually, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would be really nice. And... Yeah, perhaps we don't need that same through line. Perhaps we can manage ourselves with all of our many Marvel podcasts. <laughs> perhaps we can put it all together. But but I think they will have Avengers because yeah. Avengers is such a name brand. You've still got Captain. So. you still Captain. Captain Sorry, Lauren. What have you? Haven't you seen you somewhere for him to be? Mm. Um, I think it would make sense given the amount of films and TV programs we've got coming up. I think it does make sense if they do make the central through line less important or a number of different threads going off in different ways mm. um, that maybe mm-hmm. eventually like an end game they somehow pull them all together um, but that otherwise they're not all one after the other reliant on each other mm. um, so mm-hmm. little webs within webs anything else I love how much I have to say about this film <laughs> and I could probably have gone for another hour honestly um, this, this is our longest podcast by I'm far. really sorry for you but thank you for no, your no not work. at all <laughs> No, not at all. No, sorry, that isn't that. There's so much to talk about. But, but genuinely, just to wrap up, I felt this gave us so, so much. And yes, not all of it was good, but I'd rather you try and do a lot of things and miss bits than not try um, at all. Uh, I'm really grateful that Marvel is doing this kind of stuff because this feels like massive comic 
stuff. Mm. And I didn't even talk about how incredible I thought some of the visuals and things were, but they were. I loved it. And the music, that was also fantastic. Um, speaking of Game of Thrones. Anyway. I will say ditto. Matthew. The child they meet when they first land and take out the or, or when we first see them fighting the deviants and they meet the child and she gives them the child a knife. The child is Zane Arafia, who is the star of a film called Capernaum. Capernaum is about a boy effectively on his own, twelve year old boy on his own on the streets of Syria. Not Syria, uh Beirut. And it is heartbreaking and beautiful and wonderful and one of the finest pieces of cinema I have ever seen. Okay. So go and see Capernaum. Can do that. Okay. Anything else about Eternals? No, I'd much rather watch Capernaum, despite it making me cry over the travails of children on the streets of Beirut. And on that happy note. Hmm. (laughs) That's it for Eternals and Marvellous for now. Next, we're looking forward to starting Hawkeye next week. Well, I am. Are you guys looking forward to it? Oh, no, I'm really not. But here we are. (laughs) Holidays are coming. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. I can't wait to talk to you all. I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to have regular calls. Yes, yes, yes. Back there to we talking go. to each other again. There we go. Back to business. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. I'm on Twitter at Laura Geeks Out. Abby, where can we find you? At this AE Shore on Twitter. And Matthew. At Matthew Vose on Twitter. Thank you, Positors, for listening. Marvelous. Marvelous. Are we overthinking this? No. <laughs> yes. Hour and forty-five minutes in, we have definitely overthought this. sit here on my own. No one can hear me. And you'll hear this later, Laura. Congratulations, you get to edit this out. Hmm. I want to say something funny, but I can't think of anything. And you're coming back now, so I should probably stop talking, because you'll wonder what I've been saying. <laughs>